Greetings. So some developments with the Derek Chauvin trial. We're now into, what is it, second or third week? Uh, I think it's the third week of the trial. And the defense has begun calling witnesses and establishing their theory of the case. Now, during the prosecution's side of the case, there were certain developments, um, certainly in the way that the defense was characterizing the events surrounding George Floyd's murder, uh, or I guess if you're gonna give the benefit of the doubt, let's say killing. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure the defense would want us to characterize it that way. Now, the defense was trying to characterize the various bystanders and witnesses of George Floyd's killing as an angry mob. And specifically, there was one individual, I, I don't remember his name, but he was, I think he said he was a professional uh, boxer, a professional MMA fighter that was up on the stand. And, you know, particularly in his case and the paramedics case, the, the young lady, Again, I don't remember her name. Uh, the defense was trying to characterize them as, you know, angry and hostile. And, you know, consequently, that played into Derek Chauvin's actions, the officer who was kneeling on George Floyd's neck. The idea being that, you know, these angry bystanders were distracting Derek Chauvin and or making him fear for his life. Um, funny thing is, if you watch the video, doesn't look like Derek Chauvin is in, <laughs> in fear of his life. Uh, he's got his knee on Derek, George Floyd's neck, sort of casually kneeling with his hands in his pocket. Like, I don't, I don't see any fear there. What I see is a person in authority peacocking, right? That's kind of what I see. I see someone that's trying to make a statement saying, I am judge, jury, and executioner here. You people... You mean nothing to me. Your complaints mean nothing to me. This man's life means nothing to me. It's all about order. I mean, this is true authoritarian mindset here. And, you know, for the defense counsel, it's interesting because it was obvious, particularly when the defense counsel was questioning the uh, the MMA fighter who was a black man. It was obvious that defense counsel was trying to play up that whole the old angry black man stereotype, right? And it was amazing because the MMA fighter, and I apologize again, I don't, I don't remember his name. He was not falling for it. He was not falling into that trap. I think at one point he even winked at the defense counsel. You know, I mean, he was cool, calm, and collected. 
And honestly, if you watch the video and you listen to the audio, I mean, he's upset, but who the fuck wouldn't be upset while you're watching a man being executed, killed, right? Or, I mean, if you're going to honestly characterize it, murder. But again, um, I mean, who wouldn't be upset? And that's a point that was made by the paramedic, you know, the, the young lady that was a paramedic at the scene. I mean, she was pleading with the officers to, to let her check George Floyd and, and tend to him, and um, they just refused to let her. And, uh, yeah, she was pissed. You know, I think she called him some names or, or whatever. But, I mean, where is it written that when you're witnessing an atrocity, you know, you're witnessing someone being killed that you shouldn't be upset about it. That you should just be, that you should just calmly protest. Oh, um, excuse me, Mr. Officer, sir. Um, I just want to register my firm but polite disagreement with how you're killing that young man. Is that how we're, we're supposed to respond? Really? I mean, it's absurd. It's fucking absurd. So that's the first thing. Um, and then of course that brings us to this week and the defense's theory of the case, which is, well, it's, it sort of center, centers around that idea that, well, there's a few things, right? Number one, they're trying to make the argument that what Derek Chauvin was doing was perfectly legitimate use of force, which was rebutted by the prosecution's witnesses, some of whom are Derek Chauvin's superiors, right? Which, <laughs> so that would tend to discredit that line of thinking, but you know, that's, that's one part of their case. And to that end, they brought in a professional witness. I think his last name is Brody. Um, interesting person. Uh, I think he was, you know, during his questioning, he was suggesting that George Floyd was comfortable or should have been comfortable in the position that he was in, lying prone on the ground with a knee on his neck. And you know, characterizing that as not excessive force. <laughs> That's it. Again, the defense really is hoping to rely on people not using their eyes and their own judgment about what they see. So that's that's the first prong of defense, right? Is, nah, it's not excessive, right? Uh, second prong seems to be that, um, you know, that idea again, that to the extent that it was excessive or if it was excessive, then that seems to be the fault of the bystanders for distracting and or scaring Officer Chauvin. But again, just simply review the evidence, the video, the audio, that's a hard claim to make. Just judging from Derek Chauvin's posture, 
I just, and honestly, not just his posture, but the posture of the witnesses and the bystanders themselves. Yeah, they don't like what they're seeing. Yeah, they're being vocal about it. But who the fuck wouldn't be? And I'm sorry, if you want to be a police officer and you want to abuse your power and authority and kill someone for uh, using a fake $20 bill, yeah, you should, you should expect that, at least. Um, and so that's the second problem. Now, here's the problem. Here's where the defense is probably going to succeed. The defense has made the claim, and I think they've moved, they've, they've filed motions to this effect, that Derek Chauvin is not capable of being fairly judged in the community, that the trial should have been moved. And recent events, meaning the shooting and killing of Dante Wright, means that that's probably going to be a successful argument, at least on appeal, right? And, of course, Dante Wright happened over the weekend. This is the, the killing, I think it was 20 years old, of a young man who was stopped for, I believe they stopped him for out-of-date car tags. And, you know, they, they ran his uh, driver's license, saw they had a warrant, for some misdemeanor offenses from about a year ago, whatever, or maybe two years ago. And um, a 26-year veteran, you know, for whatever reason, uh, Mr. Wright was, you know, he was resisting because uh, they were trying to handcuff him based on the warrant and you know he got out of the handcuffs was trying to was trying to get into the car and actually did get into the car and was attempting to drive away or apparently that's what he was trying to do when the officer in question she called out taser 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 pulled out her handgun instead of her taser which she says was an accident Okay, I'll, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt there. She did, she did yell, taser, taser, taser. She fired once, shooting him in the chest. And um, he did manage to drive away shortly before stopping a few blocks later and was declared dead at the scene. Now, this happened in the same, I think, same area, I think 10 miles away from where the trial is being held is what I read in the reports. And again, the defense, after this, made a motion to the judge saying that this, should, this trial should be uh, moved or that the jury should be impaneled and sequestered. Um, I think the judge denied the motion Assuming, which is a big assumption, but let's assume that there's a conviction. 
Well, on appeal, that's what the defense is going to argue, right? That uh, the jury was not impartial. That because of that, um, Mr. Chauvin's, Officer Chauvin's constitutional rights were violated, right? Now, they're going to make that argument on appeal, I can guarantee you. And they might be successful, right? It just depends, right? So, you know, the defense is playing the long game, right? They're making some pretty spurious arguments in the short run that I don't agree with. I mean, you know, this is one of the reasons why I don't practice law. It's one of the reasons I, you know, got out of that, I got out of the legal profession because I had too many instances where I saw attorneys treating the justice system like it's a game, particularly on the prosecution side. And, but even, even on the defense side, you know, I, I remember, I remember when I was working briefly <laughs> with the uh, federal defenders, federal public defenders office in San Diego. And I had a conversation with an attorney there at a bar after hours where he said straight out that if you're not willing to lie, right, if you're not willing to declare before a judge and jury that your client is innocent, even if you know that's not the case, then you shouldn't be an attorney. And for me, that was, that was a watershed moment for me because Number one, I feel like you have an obligation not just to your client, but to the system as a whole. Like for me, it's the integrity of the system that should influence your decision-making, not just your role as an advocate for one side or the other. Like you're, you're part of the system, the larger whole. But also, you know, as, as a practical matter, that's not your job. That's, you don't need to do that. It's the prosecution's burden to prove that your client is guilty. And all you have to do is show as a defense attorney that the prosecution did not meet that burden. You don't have to lie, right? I mean, I've got no problem with representing people that are guilty because we all de deserve representation. We all deserve a defense because even in, in instances where you have a client that's guilty, oftentimes they're overcharged by that prosecution, right? So it's not just about innocence or guilt. It's about appropriate punishment as well, you know, but even more than that, again, it's because you're not just representing your client, you're representing the system. So you want to ensure that in your case, the system is working honestly and fairly 
Because in the next case, you may have a client that's innocent, right? So you're, you're trying to maintain the integrity of the system and, you know, hold the prosecution and the judge and the jury, you know, the system, you want to hold them accountable and responsible and make sure that they're operating with integrity and honesty and not abusing the authority that they have, right? Because again, it's, it's, it's about more than just your one client, right? So anyways, that's why, you know, one of the reasons, let's say, a big reason why I got out of the legal field. But um, to bring it back to, you know, the George Floyd case, for the defense counsel to, to try to capitalize off of, you know, particularly the fear of the angry black man, you know, how the prosecution was treating and questioning that MMA fighter, I, I just, you know, and I, I have a soft spot in my heart for defense attorneys, but when he pulled that shit, I just lost all respect that I might have had for him. Like, that's just, that's just scummy. It really is. There's no other way to put it. That's just some low-life bullshit. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, particularly in the case of this magnitude, you know, you don't want to win a case like this if you're a defense attorney on some sketchy bullshit. Because that's just going to magnify the outrage. You know, if you play it straight and you play it honestly, and you're not trying to game the system, and you get an acquittal or a hung jury or whatever, okay, there's still going to be some blowback because emotions are raw. But, you know, at least people that are analyzing the why and the rationale can say, well, you know, this was at least fairly adjudicated, right? There was no shenanigans. But to try to use this bullshit, you know, to try to, to, to game the juries and to try to exploit any latent or overt fears of, of black men. And that's just some fucked up shit. And that's just going to make it worse. Even if you're successful, you don't think there, there's, there's going to be repercussions for that. So anyways, <clears throat>